Persons under 18 will not be admitted. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff. And Ben. From Talking with the Dead. And Still Talking With. And Still Talking With. Still Talking With is our live show. Yes. You can catch that every Wednesday. At 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. That's yes. Eastern yeah, time. Oh, yeah, you live yeah. in fucking California, it's got to be three. No, four. Four? Yeah. They're oh. only three hours behind. What about daylight savings? Yeah, well, fuck that. We'll worry about that when I've had Okay, it. so if you're on the West Coast, you're going to have to look up when 6 o'clock is out there compared to here. Which would be actually 7 o'clock out there instead of here. 7 o'clock? Yeah. No, before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. You're all fucked up today. Another dollar for the swear jar! I'm always fucked up. <laughs> you should tune into the show and see really how fucked up I can get. Oh, yeah. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And when you do tune in, you're going to see amazing guests like this. Hey, this is Courtney Gaines. You know me from such movies as Children of the Corn, Can't Buy Me Love, The Burbs, uh, even Back to the Future. Hey, everybody. This is Anson Williams. And I'm going to be on Still Talking with... Hi, I'm Deadeye Swackhammer, and you're listening to Still Talking with... Hey, guys. It's Boston comedian Dave Russo, and you're listening to Still Talking. Do not change that dial. I'm going to punch you in the face. You fuckers. Right in the face. Hi, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo, and you're listening to Still Toking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a show for you, as always. And uh, as always, uh, unfortunately, Benjamin joining us. Unfortunately? <laughs> wow. I used to like you. I'm just saying. <laughs> But no, I'm su I'm super psyched about tonight's show. I mean, our guest is just he's a legend in the industry in my eyes and he's been acting longer than I've been alive. I mean, hell. So uh yeah, let's get going with this thing. Come on. Jeffrey. Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday, right? Yep, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Yep. So um yeah, I just well, let's just get this going because uh this guy's got a lot a lot that I want to hear. Uh so let's welcome Mr. John Savage. Hi, John. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you just fine. You're looking you pretty good. I know. Uh, I'm looking good? Yeah, you're looking good. Thank you. I watched Eye for an Eye. You looked a little more raggedy in the movie. Well, <laughs> uh... <laughs> but you're supposed to. I, I agree. Give it back to him, John. Don't let him get away with that. 
No, it was uh, it was all in good fun. And you know, yeah, I enjoyed it. It, for, it was a serious sort of situation. Me being a greedy or somehow sort of involved for taking what I want and getting away with it for a while. As the you, uh, you were a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the uh, you know the profit was good, but the uh, chaos at the time. I, I live next to a fire department. Well, there you go. We thank them for their service. You know, it's Beverly Hills. Right. Uh, but, uh, how are you? No, they do that. <laughs> <laughs> the paramedics. But, uh, no, there's a lot of action in Beverly Hills. Things are a little different than they used to be. Wow. But the, uh, there's a lot of action everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so the uh, the uh, idea of me being a little rough in that movie, I was playing a man who had gained a lot of power. And at that time, post-Civil War, it was possible to grab land and get bigger and get stronger and control things and uh, own the, uh, the, the, the main, you know, situation with law and, who is involved with the sheriff and all that kind of stuff. So it picks up on that basis with right. a woman struggling with a single kid who I've allowed to live on my property. And of course, I'm kind of thinking the future, thinking about the future somehow, maybe mm -hmm. with this beautiful woman. And yet uh, she has more character than me. And the, uh, the essence of the film does start with a violent scene and, uh, uh, I think I might have gotten rid of the sheriff who, who preceded this one. And this one, I feel, needs to be influenced by intimidating his wife, as I put it to, to my guys, mm -hmm. who are, you know, they take words like intimidating very seriously. Mm -hmm. And they, they kill her. Now, that's the most violent time you'll see this any, uh, some indication of violence in the film, I think as opposed to just the emotional stress that is created among people struggling to get revenge and yet satisfy something that is important to the integrity of people being oppressed. Right. And uh, I like the way it's handled. It's America. It is mm -hmm. the West. It is old times growing fast. This is post-Civil War. Things are starting to move all over the country and people grabbing land and moving west and taking what they want. You know, the poor Spanish and uh, communities in uh, the west and uh, the area of California. They were very nice to most people until thugs kind of showed them what side uh, were, were those people coming in were really on. And it was right. just take, grab, and uh, uh, violently, you know, overthrow any any organized effort on them their part so america's been through a lot and we're doing we're going through a lot now and i think we have a lot to offer right because of what we're dealing with in our own country mm -hmm. i mean the world is really i travel a lot um uh the people that came over our border the border here 
for years suffered because of just the stress and the, the heat and the violence of uh, travel. And now, you know, the valley in San Fernando Valley gets up to 130 degrees. Wow. Add another 20 degrees. Yeah. Can you figure that? Can you even comprehend that? No. no. And yet people are struggling with their best effort at night to, uh, there's hope here. And it's not a busy, it's a, it's a very difficult position we're in. Europe went through that. Now we have people in other parts of the world that are being forced out by the millions in, in countries uh, that are affected by the attacks of Russia. And we're in there too, trying to defend, but it gets mixed up. A lot of people, 500, 5 million, five and a half million, they say, for what's it called? The, the one in the Middle Eastern countries. And now, you know, so this is a film about America. Right. And I love right. it. Right. I love it. I love the area I filmed. I, I, I really enjoyed the, um, you know, it's it's a payback movie. You know what I mean? It's a, it's it it it's based on emotion too. It starts with emotion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, but it was so well done because it, it wasn't was it wasn't out of it wasn't really out of anger and violence like you see in a lot of these, um, uh, you know, because a lot of those movies are, are horror style. Where something right. happens to somebody, and then it becomes a horror movie, and it's all just butchering and slaying and all this. But what this had a really, really cool story. <laughs> no, I'm saying that's what makes this one so different. Yeah. No, no, no. I was saying, what kind of westerns are you watching? Because uh, I, I wasn't seen... talking about westerns. I was talking about like oh, mur oh somebody, yeah. somebody, somebody murdered, revenge type. Well, well, like the well, like you know, oh. like the old. Uh, Death Wish movies and yeah. stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles Bronson stuff. The yeah. Charles Bronson yeah. stuff, and you know, right. Um, this was so different. It it made it awesome. Yeah, and that was, was my favorite thing about it. Even, even the people involved in the film, most of them, you know, were pretty uneducated as far as the right way to be on film. And you know something. For they, me, that brought them as the people that live there now, closer to that time. The language in the, the books is written right. for the mid nineteenth century, for that period. Uh, kind of, we kind of hung close to it. Um, I might have been a little too, you know, um, too too like spread out with my interpretation of the character. Um, I saw a little humor, and yet at the same time, I was desperate not to lose what I had as a character. That was my sense of, I'm going to lose control, and I, I, I can't stand it, you know, and I've got people that are working for me that I'm the one that causes the violence, because right. I want something done or else. It's simple. I want more. Right, right. You want more power. Um, you have to have those people around that will do what you want the way it has to be done. 
and I've gotten rid of maybe some people in the town government. And I have people that kind of, I, they work for me and I put a touch of like slight humor in the attitude sometimes and it didn't work. But the point of the point of the thing is that like, these are real people. They really did this. They really went through this. It's like the South. I did a film that was great. It was filmed on the plantation in Northern Mississippi. It's now part of the heritage of Mississippi. And a couple of brothers I know working on the as grips on the film came from New York because they're, and it's in my family too. Now, my right. daughter-in-law, her mom and I were friends before we knew our kids were living together. All right. And she was got the mass, two master's degrees, two doctorate's degrees coming from the little clan of women and the great grandma who left the South after the Civil War. It was the family was slaves for four or five generations, slaves. And the women had formed what we have in this country and we don't recognize, but a unity separate from the men. They were strong together. They didn't have men. They could love them, but they didn't, they weren't allowed to see them. And they had God. They manufactured faith combined with their history and what they saw in the Baptist church in Mississippi. The grandma was part of starting being a part of that black Baptist church. They had to hide that. You know, uh, what's his name? The great professor who has the uh, heritage, or not the heritage show. He brings people to the history of their family. The, uh, professor Gates, no, Gray, Gates. He's an African-American who you go there and you see the history. And we need to do that, whether it's Native American, whether it's immigrants, whether it's slaves, whether it's African-Americans. This is America. You know what America means to some people in the world? Right. If they have neighbors in the same faith start to get upset with them, they kill each other in the same culture. But they're just different. They live further apart. The language is slightly different. This is the Middle East. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the Taliban is pretty rough. But that you go to, I worked in Egypt in the middle of the desert just a couple of months ago. It was freezing cold, no electricity, and this incredible history right in the middle of what was the Bedouin village with Roman walls and the hills nearby and, the, and just Roman, Roman uh, caves and these huge walls that are over six, 8,000 years old, dilapidated, but the girls have to keep in line till the age of 12 and go to school. And once they do that, cover, stay home, unless you're with family member. And the trouble is they're abused by those who are more educated with money and know people with outside interests, like for oil, water, whatever. But the rights belong to this largest nation in Egypt. They are they're Bedouin. They are nomad. They travel. They, but they have they call this desert their village because they know at night where they're going on these huge dunes. They drive in the Toyotas 
with because those they can fix a piece real quick if they need to. They're master mechanics out in the desert and they know their way in the dark. It's beautiful. And the water, you have to be careful driving in the desert because hot spas can suddenly come up, be, be in, in that area. And the desert does move and covers things and then comes goes back, opens things up. But hot water can be bubbling up. And if you're driving and you forget where you are, there's cold little spots with water, hot spots. You don't see them, but you get into it and... So these, these are people who know. Yeah. Man. But we had we had Arab, we had women. The whole company was, you know, women in charge of different areas. The director was a woman. And languages going all over, and like, it gets a little rough. And it was windy and cold all the time. But you wouldn't great. think that in the desert. It was great. It, right. Huh? You wouldn't think it was cold in the desert. In the winter, it's freezing. Go out to our desert right here in L.A., in California. It's freezing. Wow. You know, we had little fires in our little adobe rooms at night. But who's going to go to sleep? To go to sleep, the fire goes out. Right. (laughs) Sounds like me. And arthritis, for some reason, like 800 feet below sea level, maybe. But whatever it is, I didn't know I really had bad arthritis. And I had surgery right after the movie. I postponed the surgery to do the movie. I had to have a hip replaced. Now, right now, two months, two and a half months later, I'm fine. No pain. I go jogging every morning. I'm working out. I'm, I'm fine. But my shoulders, my hips, my knees, running through the desert chasing this little girl who was the last heir to these water wells. And this is based, it's all really happened. We're filming where it was abused, where wow. this happened to the young, a young girl. Her father took off under threats. The mother was killed, and she has a pet goat, which one running from possible threats from boys because they want to rape her to prepare her to have to marry the one man who was partially involved with me, the American wanting to own the rights to the water. She has the rights to only the family inherited it from eight generations ago. Wow. There's there's a world within these places we disacknowledge. The Native Americans in Montana used to, the tribes, seven or eight tribes came together in this beautiful mountain surrounded area. And they went, followed through a kind of a valley thousands, hundreds of thousands of different nations, people from different nations to gather together in one area for just a getting together. It was like a giant cookout. Peaceful, huh? It's like a giant cookout. Yeah. Get everybody together. And, you you know, now (laughs) you have the Lakota and the South Dakota starving, committing suicide. You got nations really struggling. We have something to learn now. You don't have to grab and smash in any area. We are all from the same whatever. We're living. Right. Things that are living need to be cared for. And we have precious things like in our world that we're losing very fast. We can we can help that. You guys all know that. You're you're 
pretty chill, right? Pretty yeah. chill. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, listening to this, and you know, it's no wonder that you have some of your movies in the National Registry. You have movies for historical accuracy. I am I'm moved by historical. No, no, no. You have movies. Movies. That are registered with the historical film registry. Oh, oh, right. No. Right. There's three or four of them. The Deer Hunter is one of them. Right. For historical accuracy. And I think that's important. There's not enough of that. I would like to consider. We did this during COVID, this little film. And because of the spirit behind the, the couple of people involved, everybody went through with it. Mm-hmm. We did that with the film The Last Full Measure and talk about the compassion for service 30 years later among young men who worked in government. A great actor played this part. He and his wife had to discuss this issue of him being forced to kick a guy out of the office who just keeps coming back to the senator. And he listened to this guy. He had no idea what he was talking about. Vietnam. Right. Yeah, no, I know about it. No, he doesn't. Mm. And the man just said, these men on this letter, could you just call one of them? It went so far beyond the usual compassion of a story about war. Mm-hmm. The most violent scenes in the world of a true situation with 600 men. And one young kid who was a medic who drops in because they didn't get the radio message. You can't go there. Too much incoming. They did. And he saved 60 men because the medic was dying. He put people in baskets and finally was killed. And they finally made such an effort with this little effort to organize some of the men to give him the Medal of Honor. Wow. Nobody knew anything about it. Right. And that's one of the issues with men in recovery and women. Now (laughs) women in recovery or have have served now. Yeah. Over 10, maybe 10, 15 years. And uh, there's a lot of groups started independent of the ones that were around VA and other stuff now by Vietnam vets. And there's a couple second world war guys better shape than me, maybe (laughs) 70 years of sobriety or something, you know, it's a good, and the wives are gorgeous women. They all serve, but these groups for organized effort for recovery, Ohio, huge camp set up, you know, you can be invited after a uh, year or two of sobriety and the, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just the truth and beauty of truth sometimes when it's sought and it's achieved. Wow. Human people, human experience. Right. It's big. It's important. It's trying. It, it's it's hard. The deeper you get, the more you get out of it. You know, the more you give, the more you get. And this. This is a sense of that film of just showing a hero mm-hmm. and a woman. Mm-hmm. I felt, keep it, let's do a simple story and have this guy who's got so much that he loses it because it's more, it's more, it's more. 
So I just felt uh, this this is a movie maybe not for kids maybe, but uh, eh, you know, give it a shot. You like the scenery. <laughs> so if you're out there and you're watching, make sure in the show notes up above or down below, Leo. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, so, there's links to the movie. Do we have the trailer? We we do have the trailer. So uh, we are talking to the amazing John Savage. Uh, you know him from Thin Red Line or Deer Hunter. And he has a new movie out, Eye for an Eye. So uh, Cattle King wants Reagan's small ranch and a Latina beauty, Lola. Uh, his men kill Reagan's pregnant wife. And it goes from there. I'm going to play the trailer right now. <laughs> Never make it squall. But I'm pregnant. Buttons and bows. All the pretty work. Blood on your hands. Blood in. Took the woman love the God is my witness. I'll send those that hurt you straight to hell. Damn it, Spider. Why the hell did you have to do that? I told you to scare her off so that her knot-headed old man would follow her. Leave the badge on and bring them in legal. And that Braddock buy off half the town and have them go free? Typical this time, in. Eye for an eye. Blood in your hands, blood in my eyes. Mr. Braddock is kind enough to let us stay on here after Pa died. For that, he gets a big thank you and a small piece of heaven. But you gotta give. What I can or can't give him is nothing that concerns you, young man. So, Miss Lily, what happened to Sherry's wife? She died. I know die. Who may die? Who wanna know? You know who I know. You know who may die. I know I'll go on in Bighorn. I want riders out to all the line camps. Every rider Triple R brand, eyes out, on the watch for that. Ex-Sheriff Quinn Reagan. You can call me Abe Lincoln or Ulysses S. Grant if you want to. Now, how do I recognize those four men? What's your name, mister? Uh, Sam. Sam Jones, I'm new to the place. I'm John Lawrence from the Spread the Word Gospel Wonderman Church. Pleased to make your howdy. Oh, yours too, Pastor. I don't want him to set eyes on this house. Did that go for me too? Yeah. Yeah, and hell. You hung wranglers, blacksmiths, hostlers, and hell. Your wives, whores, laundry women, if any. Just so he doesn't get this far. Hold up, young man. Where's your paw? My paw ain't your business. You got any triple R hands about? She's over yonder. Nice move, ma'am. If you pull off on that thing, you'll cut us both in half. Who's killer crazy skunk, not me? Aren't you not familiar with the word accessory? What 
My wife says howdy. Eye for an Eye is available right now on VOD, wherever you get your digital movies, Amazon, iTunes, just about everywhere. All, all I want to say is Tall Horse is never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> right? And in case our viewers, if you're listening to this later on podcast or if you're listening to us on the radio, you didn't get to see that. But the co-star, Blanca Blanco, we actually interviewed her uh, about three months ago. So... Three months ago, was yeah, it? I thought yeah. it was more like six. No, it was this year. Oh, see, I'm getting older. Time's moving faster. Time's moving faster. <laughs> but she plays Lola McLaughlin, which is uh, John's heartthrob in the movie. Right. So de- definitely check that out. She's yeah. she's a great great uh, actress and very so professionally, really. In touch, you know, she really we and it's great to work with beautiful women in the movies when they you will you feel they are really right here, right now with this work. And you can you can enjoy yourself, you know. It's not I don't mean just uh goofing on people, it's it's a joy of like finding a little more energy for your character. Right. You people are giving you something. Right, right. Your feet off of that. I mean, the way she de- for me, the way she dealt with her child as a woman at that time, I felt that this is a woman who has the strength for compassion and wariness. You know, she's sensitive to this. She's the guy, woman they go to for, for lunch. She yep. feeds them. You don't mess around with her, you know. And uh, I just felt this it was a good touch. You know, uh, it wasn't a cast of thousands. <laughs> we had no. the right people. Yeah, you. I was going to say, you definitely had the right people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because to the best of my knowledge, the gentleman that plays Regan, um, Shane Klaus, this oh, was his first, his first ever acting role. He's a he's, real cowboy. Yeah, he's a musician mm-hmm. by trade. And a beautiful musician. Great singer. Great singer. You know, I think and... this is... go ahead. Oh, uh, that's his, cool. Uh, his song is the theme song. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, you know, they played it at uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Prescott, Prescott, um, Nevada, Arizona, okay. Prescott, and it's a little town with a lot of people. You know, it's a big town with a few people, and it's got a big, uh, big uh, theater. And everyone who came to see the film filled the audience that night, uh, 700 or 800 people. Wow. With each single person was dressed with their own costume wardrobe for that period. Everybody. They were into the West and into the characters, all the different characters represented in the audience. And they enjoyed that sense of, time difference and period and they were all from different parts of the world i mean it's a very diverse area like montana is getting montana is i think it's a very uh red state 
but it's it's got it's got every kind of culture there you know for my my brief travel the area we were in was big and you see some houses scattered we worked out of the writers and producers ranch uh martin cat his wife and and uh, larry martin and the co the producer um it's his name his father was one of the biggest filmmakers in our country mirish i think david mirish and okay. I was involved with, with Blanca in a, a few charity moves he made. One of them was a soccer match. And uh, a bunch of guys had already been set up to play soccer against each other. Some celebrities, not me. And she was invited to play with these guys. Who was the only person who scored? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... She has a book out that is just so moving. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. She talks about it. And I'm hoping that the, uh, it shows this growth. I've seen now a Japanese kind of version of from a period when the Japanese moved people into their takeover of Korea. A pachinko or pachinka something. And it was directed by a really sensitive director. We did another one. I want to say Blue Bayou. Uh, I'm not sure. But it had to do with migrants and immigrants as this situation the Japanese are put into by being forced to go and live in Korea. And the Japanese army, militant as it was, was violent to both sides. So the child, this little girl in that movie, reminds me of Blanca coming over the border with her family, having violence at home, having poverty, having violence coming across the desert with men with guns, old women that can't make it, having getting here and being stuck in a room on the border where you can't leave because you got to be paid. They want to be paid again. You know, a little pot in the corner for anything you got to do for 30 people or whatever. I've seen this too. I've seen it from a distance. You know, I've worked in Mexico. I've been in the desert. I've been with police there. I've been with Americans uh, at the border of uh, police and the situation, my grandson, he's Sol and Kano Youngs. He's writing for the New York Times now. He's only 28, I think. He started out in Boston with the Boston Globe. And he writes, he goes now, they fly him all over the world. He's working for, um, for um, the American, uh, what is it called? Home security, wow. homeland security. And it connects him to everything. They fly them by the Coast Guard to the different areas where they're trying to set up places where people are coming in, in submarines. And uh, in the south, he's gone through the whole border situation with uh, trapped, uh, you know, little uh, gate, gated uh, chains, or what I want to call it, uh, kids being put into these caged-like areas. Too many kids. The guys that are responsible for it are complaining Two, they have families. They have kids. There's too many kids in one spot. You talk about COVID, you know? Right. You rush them in, you put people together, and it's it's not going to stop. You know, how many militant forces have driven people out of countries? How many people being bombed the hell out of countries? You know, half a million in Ukraine, half more than that, more than uh, Syria and uh this is our world. This is where we live. 
if we don't start taking care of not just with defense and, and walls, because we're going to end up blocking each other off. We're doing it. We've separated into extreme right and extreme left. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. Protest and make your march for white people. But wait a minute. Where, are you, where do you intend to go with this race attitude? Uh, a supremacy? To who? Are you, you mean all whites are like you? All whites are all white? Go back about 10 years. I got news for you. Chances are you'll find out this uncle came from that race from a family that was mixed. And that aunt came from that race from a family that was mixed. Give me a break. You know, this is America. This is the future of our world. If we, if we can do it, I believe, not destroy it. We have more power to help than we do to just hinder it. And uh, you guys doing the media, you do. Thank you. You know, this is part of what we need. Right. We need this right. communicating. Yeah. In a couple of, my, my grandson goes on a podcast for the uh, New York Times. And I was riding in an Uber with a woman from Uganda. And we were talking about family. Her kids, my kid, my grandkids, my this and that. And we're talking, and all of a sudden, she's got a cell phone of her own, and it's turned down, the volume's off, but there's there's a group talking. And my grandson is one of those two or three men and women talking. And I said, turn that up. That's my grandson. And she was so excited. He's African-American. He's back, He goes back to Southern Africa with his, his great-grandma his grandma, uh, to... Uh, in South Africa, I think, Tswana Nation, I met his father, his grandpa, while I was working for years in South Africa with just the program of documentary filmmaking. Wow. He was a dean of a university and the head of a nation, his, grand, his, great, his grandfather, who he never met. The family he'd never met, that his, his grandma knew, brought their kids to Boston University down the street from where he lived that he met his aunt who is really part of his family and the kids are going to school from Tswana Nation in South Africa. This is America. This is good. This is good. You know, we had people marrying the slaves or at least having kids with them and being really close to them. Come on, guys. You know, Chill. The rest of the world needs to have a couple of tokes, okay? I can't smoke a drink. But right? I, I did it. You know, I did right. it. I agree with that. Now, I'm coming Gummies for everybody. Huh? Gummies huh? for everyone. Yeah, Gum- but whatever it takes to just chill, you know? Right, right. And, like, we love each other. Let's do it. We don't want any more of this Insanity. Look what's happening. I feel that it's a part of some kind of leadership that might have influenced us, you know, and it's still here. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I'm sorry totally. about that. Yeah. No, no, no that's no. okay. That's this, okay. Is, this has been a, so far, it's been a great show. We haven't had to ask a question. I've just enjoyed <laughs> listening to everything that you well, said. Well, I did. I, yeah, he did. You did bring up um, uh, being in Africa. You spent a few years out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was back and forth. I worked in a lot of countries. 
because of the great films I was a part of, you know. Yeah. I saw them in you, Moscow. You, I saw my, some of my work in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the the people I worked with, you know, Robert right. De Niro. Give me a break. Right. They say the word Robert De Niro in some countries and <laughs> woof, everybody turns around. It's like, ooh, ooh, Robert De Niro. He's great. He's great. He's great. He's uh, <laughs> not so much when you say John Savage. No. <laughs> oh, I don't. See, now, now I don't believe that for a second because you've been in. in... You know when I get attention. You want to know when I get attention? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What happened? What happened? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I got every kid in the room. Every kid in the room. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. That's uh, great. So, so uh, we, had, we got a bunch of people watching and a bunch of comments came in. One of them uh, from our good friend RW. So, so you've worked with a lot of incredible actors yourself. Uh, RW is asking uh, with Jeff Bridges, I believe the movie was bad company. How was it working with, with Jeff? And uh, I, 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 Ben had a couple items as well. Yeah. The young man who died from alcohol, Jeff Bridges, God bless him. And his partner in the movie was such a great actor. He had such great hope. And, uh, you know, too much at once, I guess. Right. Uh, I don't remember his name, but I'm getting up. This movie was such a gift to all of us young guys. You know, being in a, with these, uh, Michael Chapman was the first film he'd shot, I think. Um, and the great producer, director. All these guys are retired now, I think. You know, and, uh, <laughs> What incredible photography, direction, and experience for a piece of American history that there's many parts to it. Um, people were running away like these boys, just seeing, seeing what they could get out of the world. Right. It was chaos. Um, and... Uh, I was hung in the movie, in the freezing cold, in the middle of Kansas. I think we worked out of, uh, I can't remember. I remember the name of the city area, the Plains area. It's beautiful. And uh, Jeff was so compassionate. He's big. He was big. He'd come over every day. Good morning. How are you? Oh, come on. He's like, ah, come on, Jeff. You know. I am an uptight guy, but he, he literally, he was one of the first people in the business in that company too. I felt I don't have to be scared. I'm still a little nervous about this whole idea, you know? And when I'm in my fantasy world, I'm, I'm more comfortable. Right. Uh, sometimes I, I forget. I mean, I've, I've snapped it sometimes when I realize I, well, this this hasn't happened really in years. Not on a movie set, but just the ability to accept there's things that I want to find in this work with other people that aren't all of you. <laughs> and yet, 
I want to tell, I want to go over and talk to the cameraman. I want to go over and talk to the makeup artist. I want to go over. And I get, sometimes it's helped where I just go with the flow and I got my words and I'm fine and I'm relaxed. But sometimes I'm distracted. And usually it's because I'm too wrapped up in myself. Right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't know who, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't straighten it out. Now. I got to, I got to admit, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lost or something. And yet that hasn't happened in years. Or maybe years. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Right. Um, but with this is a tough time too. You know, yeah. People are making movies and starting to, and then somebody gets sick and they gotta stop and yeah. cost money. But oh yeah, know, we were, I was grateful for that area we worked. It was pretty devoid of any real sickness. Now, where where stuff. was that filmed? Where was I for I filmed? Oh God, I was. Um, yeah, Missoula River or something. Montana, I believe, right in the middle. So yeah, Montana. Okay. In the distance, and one big mountain. I remember its name. I called it. They called it John Long, and they had. We had pointed out the fires that had crossed the mountains up there. Mm. Uh, sapphire mountains around it. Missoula and Nine Mile. Right wow. in the middle. Of beautiful. Wow. It was beautiful country. Oh yeah. You know, and we had nations of people in the area we could go to, including development a couple hours drive away of houses and things. But it was, I would walk just around uh, Larry's ranch, Larry, uh, the uh, co the director, and Cat uh, Martin, Larry and Cat. And it was so, it was such a peaceful kind of feeling with nature, <laughs> duh. Right. And right next to me is mountain. It seems it goes rocky areas going straight up, straight up top of the mountain. Could have been a mile high. Couldn't see it. Couldn't see the top. And I'm there, and I was going to hear little rocks falling and stuff. And so I, I stepped away because they bounced. A baby goat. Boing, 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 boing. There was nothing to stand on. Wow. And it's literally doo -doo 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 -doo, like looking at me while it's going down the hill. Didn't miss a step. Boing hits the bottom and jumping, 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 and jumped over a fence. And then the bigger goats were kind of like, yeah, they're stick chill. They're walking like <laughs> one step at a time. You know, they're coming down. They look up every once in a while. But the goat, the little goat, was so funny because he jumped over a man-made fence, whoo, over the top. And it looked like he was looking to do something. And he wanted, he, I guess, what happened was he jumped, he was trying to jump through the middle. It didn't work. He caught his legs, hit his back, flipped over, got up and like looked at it. Eh. Keep jumping over the top. It's easier. <laughs> That's funny, hey. man. That was funny. Right? Beautiful right. countryside. Yeah, Absolutely. it was. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, like like I was saying, you've you've been in a ton of movies, but you've been in a, in a lot of t 
TV shows as well. It's Every a lot of cameos. A lot of cameos from like Star Trek yeah. Voyager to Cleaners to Dark Angel, Law and Orders, Dick Wolf's stuff. Um, but yeah. one of my all-time favorites is SEAL Team. I was so grateful to play a father. Uh, yeah, you played Emmett, Emmett Quinn. With a great actor. You know, they, they're just a team. They are a team. That, that show is, I think it's very good, well done for what it represents. Yeah. And, you know, I've been growing for years. I grew up in the middle of people who served in First World War. My dad brought him from the Bowery because he went there when all his kids, my grandpa, all his kids went into the service. Yeah. He said, take the little dumpy house. Don't look for me. His wife was tall and gorgeous like my aunts, athletes, but she was, a, they were all alcoholics. And um, I saw one picture of her with beautiful jewelry on the car that she got. And apparently that wasn't when she was married to my grandpa. <laughs> it Oops. was, she had, I think, I'm pretty clear about my uncle, my, my dad, my dad's brother was maybe the same mom, but a different father. I don't know. But uh, somebody was banging somebody. Yeah. But then my dad, my grandpa married her and she stayed for a couple more babies and uh, three, my two aunts and my, my two aunts. So there was only three of them. The great uncle, the uncle who was my dad's brother, my step, and uh, my two aunts, beautiful women. And uh, my grandpa went to the Bowery to die, to drink himself to death. Wow. The trouble is, if you're a good alcoholic, you could keep trying. You're not going <laughs> to die. You're right. You know, things just start to go. And uh, his went, he was a champion runner. Uh, people would bet on him as a kid with high school races and stuff. They would change the names of runners, you know, to change the odds. And he'd talk, he didn't talk a lot like my dad, never talked a lot. I got this from my mom. But uh, he brought him to live with us and respected him for his service right. in Verdun, France. It was a trench that was dug 20 miles long during the Prussian War. And the French had a lineup in the trench. Get in there and face that direction only. I mean, the Germans were weird, too. They built a wall to retain, the, to block the enemy only on one side of the country. <laughs> but the idea, the, uh, the gas killed them in the Prussian War in the trench, and the gas killed them in the, in the First World War in the trench. No bullets. Yep. Didn't need to shoot. They waited for the wind to change. And my grandpa was a part of that gas, being gassed. A thousand men and uh, Americans at that time. And But he struggled with the death of others. I think a lot of us have yeah. that problem or the yeah. suffering of others. And he... Uh, you know, he lost his wife, who he really loved, uh, to somebody else. I think the whole family of young kids, they brought themselves up. 
he worked down at Drummond in Republic on Long Island when they were there. Now they're in California, I think. But the uh, building, you know, military uh, stuff. And he drank. And uh, he was allowed two beers at the bar by my father. And uh, he agreed. And the bartender knew that was the deal, I guess. I never saw him drink. I never took a part of it. So I wanted to see that. And yet uh, it was personal and private for him. And uh, he came, he lost the use of his legs just from abuse and running. Uh, he was a damn good runner as a young man. And he had to walk and he made himself walk in pain. One mile to the bar, one mile back. And you'd see him stop every once in a while. And I'd watch him and he'd breathe, you know, rub his knees. And then he'd keep walking. And for some obvious, some uh, not clear reason, it was obvious he was accomplishing something. Mm. Getting that drink. But he walked, he got over, he came home, put himself in his chair with a black and white TV and watched us. I asked him a question only a few times, once... And I, my mom was full of talk. She talked to me about what went on with my father, what went on with my grandpa, with her mom, what she had to do during the First World War, servicing people coming home. Uh, and he was quiet, like my dad. And I said, like, I don't know how old I was, maybe four or five. I think I was young, maybe. That's it. And uh, how did you, how come, how did you live? So many people died in that war. You were in the war. So many people died. She told me everything, Mom. But he just looked at me. My dad had come halfway down the stairs and he stopped there. He was six foot nine. Big. He had a duck to go downstairs. And my, my grandpa was short. And I saw him standing there. My grandpa looked at him, and then he looked at me, and he goes, smoking and booze. <laughs> My dad didn't say a word. But okay. grandpa sat back. And I'm, like, a little shocked. <laughs> My dad just looked at me. When I looked at him, he goes, go upstairs, go upstairs. And he walked over to my grandpa, put his hand on his shoulder, and said, don't do that. Don't say that again. He said, don't say that again, quietly. Don't do that. And he, he gave him a little pat on the shoulder. He deserved it. Yeah. He deserved it. And that was the compassion that was hard to see most of the time. It was closed. But it was there. Mm-hmm. And if he was upset with something, he got up slowly. <clears throat> I cleared his throat. Sounds like me. Didn't have mm. to say anything. Right. Uh, and he did that among meetings that I was allowed maybe one meeting, a PTA or something. I wasn't allowed. Not that I wasn't allowed. I was brought. And it was okay. And I was sitting there and he stood up. And all of a sudden everybody starts whispering. My dad's name was Floyd. But he would say, my name is Floyd. 
put this hand out. It was a basketball hand. He played basketball. I said, my name is Floyd, but please call me Jim. <laughs> my grandpa's name was Floyd. He'd heard the name Floyd enough, but he said, my <laughs> name is Floyd. But every time he get up, he would get to get attention with his guys playing bowling or doing whatever he's golf, great golf. And they would call him Floyd, and he's like, I'm not saying, you know, he stands up, and everybody's going, I can see them moving their mouths, Floyd, 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 saying Floyd, and he'd stand up, and he'd say something quiet, like paying attention to the fact we don't really have a good gym and exercise program. We need more volunteers so that they can play better. They can play more. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I volunteer now. I'll be a, an umpire. I'll be a, a coach. I've worked with athletes my whole life. Something like that came out. And he, he didn't say that many words. It was more like a face would go. He look at some people, his eyebrows would go. Three words. We need a good team here, you know, something. Okay. <laughs> he wanted to be an actor. He wanted, I knew he really wanted to be an actor. You know, he finally, the women put things together to get him to go to school. All the men who came back, they were kids when they went in. No, they didn't go to school in the Second World War. And, uh, yep. So they all got the women to change. Adelphi University was, was not co-ed. They all made, so we're making a co-ed. We're bringing men that live nearby to Hofstra, to these other schools. They, they should be allowed to come. And that was the leadership that they learned from two world wars and their mothers. Mm -hmm. so, so, so I have a question. No. Do you have, do you, no? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> Ooh, give it back, give it back, hey, give it yeah, back, give it yeah. back. No, um, seriously, um, you've played a lot of uh, diverse roles. Do you have a favorite role that you've played? Oh, God, yeah, the next one. The next one? Okay. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> the next one, whatever that is. I've done some Excellent. roles that were, I've done some roles that were difficult, but because they were good. Good written roles, not necessarily a lot of thinking necessary or a lot of, it's like I've heard Chris Walken talk with Bobby De Niro. They don't talk. It's like they have a couple of people, a couple of faces, they make a couple of faces like looking around, looking at each other. Come on, and Chris, come on, Bobby. What do what you, what do you, what, what I, 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 you know, I, I, this, this scene, Bobby, come on, you know, we, we gotta, all right, fuck it, let's just do it, you know? <laughs> they just, this is their acting prep, this is what they do, they're there, they're there now, you know? It's a bit of New York somehow, it's, uh, it's good, good work, you know? I don't know what brought that up. <laughs> you asked something awesome. about what 
what was who was my favorite actor? Well, yeah. Do you have a favorite role that you've played? A favorite role? Well, the deer hunter. Mm. Hair. Hair was yeah. difficult. I had trouble with hair. Ouch. Yeah. I oh, sorry so about that. About Didn't mean to pull your hair. You know, that movie was more of what the intention was, I think, than the play. Right. And I didn't want to do it because I was working in a play that I really loved. And Milos came down, and he, I loved Milos's Czech films. I loved him as a director. To work with him in a movie, yeah. <laughs> but he, he came came up two stairs to say, Mr. Savage, uh, Joe, how are you? It's a pleasure. Look, uh, Hey, would you like to have a beer or a coffee with me tomorrow? Uh, you know, well, sure. So we got together and he brought me to where he was auditioning people, singing. John Belushi, uh, all these incredible actors, singers, tremendous women, singers. Oh. I was, it was like watching an incredible musical because everybody had this different quality and beautiful voices. And he says, well, come on, let's go get something to eat afterwards. And the pianist goes and he's talking to one of the guys or he's talking to one of the, some actor or some John Belushi or whatever. And I was like just waiting to do whatever. So he, he guides me out. We go across the street, I think. We're down the street. I think we were in like Joe Allen's or Jimmy Ray's, one of the New York theater bars, restaurants. And he says, John, uh, could you sing for me? What do you mean? I understand you like to sing. Could you sing something? Come on, just sing something. In the middle of nowhere. I said, I can't just do it in front of everybody here. So right. Well, we, we, said, well, let's go across the street. <laughs> let's go where we got a uh, space and some some you know privacy. So I'm thinking, fuck this guy. You know he's ma he's making me crazy. I started. I sang an opera. To make fun of this crazy man and this music thing. And it's all bullshit. And I love music. I love it. But me? I've been in Fiddler on the Roof. I've been in, you know, classic musicals. But then he says, that's pretty good. Uh, what do you think of the, the role of Claude in the show? He says, well, I said, well, I... He said, do you want to play Claude? I said, I don't want to be a hippie. Simple. I didn't say what I thought could be, what was going on with me with what I saw, because I saw the musical five or six times. I saw it downtown at Joe Pops when they were putting it together. I saw it on Broadway several times with friends. I walked out of everything. At later show. I ended up mm -hmm. seeing most of the show. But the irritation was my emotional involvement with what we were going through in our country, in our world. There was an essence of value 
that was missed to what we wanted to present that we learned from our grandparents in the, from the First World War. We learned from them and our parents during the Second World War what they went through both times and what we had gained since then. And I saw how it started with just guys getting a job after college. They, they, no, 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 no men, they came together to support each other for a couple of years. There was no work. They had GI Bill. You could buy a house for four grand. You buy a car for $400. New. I was seeing this effort. To, my dad would put his hand up. Come to our house in the week. Come to our house on Saturday. These were veterans. He, he drove me to Brooklyn once to go to a guy's place for pizza. He's Italian. He fought for the Americans. His family had been in Italy when he was there in Europe. But he was a vet. And he had two tables in a place smaller than a closet. I mean, just, you know, six feet wide, two tables. The men said, they grown up, the two men sat there, and I sat over here and ate a pizza while they, they, they sat together. What did they talk about? One guy was in Europe. One guy was in the Pacific. They didn't really talk. I've seen this in my house as a little kid. You know, the Korean vets were coming back too, a lot of Marines. My dad was in the Corps. But they all look the same age. One guy, and they got their shoulders together. And one guy's having an emotional moment. My dad's like, just go watch that little six-inch TV over there and stay over there where you want. They didn't need to talk as so much as support each other. My dad had nightmares every night. This sense of hair showed for me a spiritual growth beyond the understanding of most people. It was that going on. It wasn't the pot. It wasn't the drugs. Right. It was, we need to open up. We need to stand up for the rights of other people. This is America. Look at the Constitution. Let's argue about that. Let's talk about it. Let's do something. And when he asked me, well, he says to me, Milos, what would you want to be if you don't want to be a hippie? What? Some kid from the Midwest. Some kid from a ranch. Wow. Wow. Right. Wow. You know? <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Leo, you have another show tonight, right? I do. Okay. Oh, I thought you so. they said that to me. Excuse <laughs> 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 me. Yeah. No, uh, no. Leo, Leo produces multiple shows on Wednesday, um, but we are coming up on that time. So, any last questions, comments that people want to get in? I say do it now, but make sure you check the show notes up above, down below, on the side, wherever Leo decides to put them, to find out more about our amazing guest. Every, I mean, go listen. see Eye, Eye for Eye. Yep, go definitely check, check it out. out. Check out Eye for Eye. 
you know, while you're out there, pick up Blanca's book because we did interview her, and what a story! Let me tell you. Can you can you imagine a, the little girl in that movie in that book? The little girl, mm. all that she's seen, all that she went through, all that she gained and helped her brothers and sisters with. Yep. And she's still growing. She's still growing. She's amazing. She's an, she's an amazing, amazing person. Amazing actress. Um, you know, she's she's an to, incredible athlete too. She started me running again. I said, okay, I'll run around the quarter mile track with you. Was, and was I, she chasing I you? Since she's, a, she's halfway around the track. It's like, <laughs> not going to keep up with those ladies. They help you, athlete. So, all right, guys. So, all right. Thank you, John. Me. Awesome. We're going to let Leo. Yet. Yet. Hang yeah, on uh, for one second. We're going to let Leo close out the show. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll be right with you for a minute. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You'll find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which. But I for I is out on VOD right now. Uh, you can check the show notes up above or down below. Uh, and uh, for me, just Google The Dorkening. I run a podcast network. We got about 40 shows on a network. And uh, a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com. And uh, with that, John, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Do I like people <laughs> interacting with me on this? On, oh, this? on, uh, <laughs> on uh, social media. Oh, what do you call uh, this again? What is oh, this? Uh, oh, do you, do you uh, like, uh, do you like uh, Facebook? Do you use Twitter? You know who does my Facebook? She calls me with anything that's really important. Okay. She reads all my email. She, you know, she does the Facebook, the, uh, into the audit. What's the other one? Instagram. She's keeping my fans, fans entertained. That's, that's the way to go. You know, you don't have to deal with social media, but still be on social media. That's that. She discourages me to read that stuff. Yeah. it, It can get really bad. So, uh, We'll definitely urge everybody to check the show notes uh, for information about John. I've I've done a few of these interviews, and people can be very rude. They can, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can. Yeah, yeah. We we try to create a safe space, you know. Just well, I hope I guys, wasn't rude. You guys are, are really cool. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. They're going you. in a totally different <laughs> direction. <laughs> right. Right. So um, yeah. Uh, go to stilltoken.com. A uh, great show. Um, and I watched Eye for Eye on Tubi. Oh, did you? Yes, it was available on Tubi. Oh, see, uh, well, to you guys because well, I I'm got... just letting I'm just letting our viewers know out there. Listen, you know I, I mean? watched it. I watched it before it came out because I'm special like that, and I got the screener link. Yeah, okay, so... yes, yes, you're special. You're special, but Jeffrey, hey, Jeffrey special was... needs maybe. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey was trying to let our viewers know where they can see it. Is is definitely Tubi, but I'm sure it's available. Why, on... why are you talking and you got my picture up on the screen? Because you're next. Oh, okay. I'll I'll just wait for it then. Go ahead. Well, okay, Jeffrey. Did you find so? Your... Um, yeah. No, I was done. Hey, you know, uh, John. <laughs> thank, thank you. I'm I'm blown away. Uh, that was just what an honor. You know. So yeah. Don't ever. Well, Google Leo or Google Ben. So, yeah, Ben, close us out. 
So, yes, we want to thank John for coming out and spending some time with us. Hopefully you learned some things that you didn't know about him because that's what we are all about. But I certainly our, did. To all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can do what we do. We're out of here. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Catch you later. Now thank I, you, guys. Thank now, you, John. Now you need safe. to find the button. <laughs> uh, here it is. <laughs>